Well, good morning, 11 a.m. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Oh, that was pitiful. Try that again. Look at him and say, wake up. Well, that's still sad, but I'm just, I'm going to push through it. Uh, that is uh, our new series that we are in today, uh, kicking off today, is, is, is wake up. I'm going to jump right in today because uh, I do want to be conscious of your time, uh, and I know we've had a lot of stuff going on today, um, but the big picture of this series, uh, this wake-up series is this. It's one thing to sleep through an alarm clock. You may miss an appointment. You may be late for work. You may be late for school. Uh, you may be late for church. Just let it lay there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> But it's another thing to sleep through life. Because if you sleep through life, you miss out on the life that God has for you. Because you're sleeping. Now today, I, I'm just going to be honest, I had an entirely different message for today. Um, but but th this is going to be an invitation for us to wake up. Uh, my message today, which I'll be speaking, hopefully, if God allow, we'll be doing it next week, called Sleepwalking. Ain't anybody know any sleepwalkers? Uh, my brother Casey, you'll get to hear more about this next week, is a notorious sleep eater. Um, <laughs> he has actually gotten up and ravaged the kitchen, taking bites out of Hershey-scented candles before. Um, <laughs> can't make this stuff up. True story. But today I felt a different direction. Um, here's our verse, though, our key verse throughout this whole series is Ephesians 5.14. Wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I want, to, I want you to say that out loud with me, and depending on how enthusiastic you say it, depends on how many times we're going to say it. Are you with me? Here we go. Let's say it. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. That, that, the Greek word that gets translated as wake up is agero. And here's what it means. To arouse from the sleep of death. To recall the dead to life. This series is an invitation to arouse the church from a sleep of death. To come back to life. Uh, as I said, I came in here Friday afternoon. Zion, our son, was in. Um, his birthday is this coming week, but this was only weekend he could come in for us to celebrate his birthday. And so I was trying to get things done. So Friday afternoon, I thought, I'm going to go up to the office, put some finishing touches on this message, get back to, to enjoy my time with Zion. And I got up here, and God began to shift things. And I'm, I love it so much when he does that two days before I'm supposed to preach. Um, and so I began to write things down, began to go back over some things. Saturday morning, I got up and came to the men's breakfast, which if you missed it, Leo did an amazing job. Uh, got in here and, and uh, had our men's breakfast, met with my, uh, my uh, mentor group, uh, and, and just began to sit down and talk with them. And, and I said, guys, listen, I, I need your prayer. I said, I'm struggling. I said, I, I, I need your prayer. I said, I, I said, God is leading me to talk about some things, 
And I'm asking God, God, why would you want me to speak on something that I deal with? Well, get somebody that had that to speak on this subject that has killed it, defeated this giant, has its head as a trophy sitting up here saying, done deal, gone. Get somebody like that. Me, I, I may have a pinky of this that I've cut off, but I'm far from killing the entire giant. And God said, I felt like God, well, my brother Casey said, well, maybe that's why God wants you to speak. Because people need to know that it's a real issue even for followers of Jesus. Come on now. So, so if you're here today or if you're watching online, uh, the first wake-up call that I feel like God is calling us to is this. If you're taking notes, wake up to mental health. I believe this is something that has been overlooked and downplayed by the church way too long. Downplayed. And, and it's a very real issue, even among followers of Jesus, how do I know? Because it's something I've wrestled with and struggled with probably my entire life. This past week, uh, Sunday through uh, yesterday, was known as a National Suicide Prevention Week. September is called National Prevention Suicide Month. And it's not something we think much about or want to talk about until it hits us directly. Come on. But I know for a fact that suicide has impacted the people in our church and in our community. You want to talk about a pandemic? Get this. Worldwide. Worldwide, every year, over 800,000 people die to suicide globally. That's what I call a pandemic that gets overlooked. Uh, get this, suicide is the, globally, uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death between the ages of 15 to 24, second. Uh, there are studies that show that for each adult who dies by suicide, 20 others attempted it. Hmm. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention uh, says this about America. Last year, 2019, what a suicide was the 10th leading cause of death for all ages. 10th leading. It was the fourth leading cause of death for ages 35 to 54, and the second leading cause of death from ages 10 to 34. Suicide rate is one and a half times higher among veterans. We're not talking about it enough. Get this, suicide takes the lives of over 45,000 Americans every year. That, that, that comes up to about one every 12 minutes. Think about that. One every 12 minutes. And, and an estimated 1.4 million Americans attempt suicide every year. On average, there are 123 Americans who die by suicide every day. 90% of those who died by suicide had a diagnosable mental health condition at the time of their death. That was last year. Most, most health experts say that due to COVID, due to uh, quarantine, due to people isolating, that that rate is surely going to go up this year. 
Uh, in fact, uh, a federal emergency hotline for people in emotional distress registered more than 100 or 1,000% increase in the month of April alone. Here's what um, ABC News reports said that uh, COVID-19 could bring a 20 to 30% increase in firearm suicides this year. The Washington Post says the coronavirus pandemic is pushing Americans into a mental health crisis. It went on to say that, uh, that, that federal agencies and experts warned that a historic wave of mental health problems is approaching. Depression, substance abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicide. Nearly half of Americans report that the coronavirus crisis is harming their mental health. What about Tennessee? According to Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network, Tennessee's suicide rate is the highest it's been in five years. Tennessee. Help me with those lights. Over the past few months, suicide has directly affected the church community in a, as a whole. When I say the church, I meant the church in our country. Pastor Darren Patrick, 49 years old, pastoring a thriving, thriving church, married, four kids, on May 7th of this year, took his own life by self-inflicted gunshot. Pastor and mental health advocate, Jared Wilson, who spent a lot of his life being very open about his depression and, and helping a lot of people, 30 years old, married two children, took his life on Monday, September 19, 2019. Throughout the entire day, here are some tweets that he posted leading up to his death. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. In the end, this was his last one, but that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship. He always does that. I won't go into any details, but it has directly affected this church. I've been to funerals counseled people me and my wife have and those well Kelly I just don't understand what depression is I don't understand here's what depression is like these lights that are in my face right now that are blinding me I know you're out there I just can't see you I can hear voices I can hear movement but I can't see you I know there's someone to reach out there too, but I just can't see that anybody's there. And in fact, the lights are so bright right now in my face. All I want to do is get out of it. That's what depression is like. Bring the lights up for me. That's what depression is like. You know people are there. You know people care about you, but you just can't see it. And all you want to do is run. All you want to do is get out. Here's the truth, guys. No one in this room is beyond having thoughts of ending it all. No one. 
No one in this room is immune from having suicidal thoughts. No one in this room is beyond finding themselves sunk so low and hit so low with depression that you don't know what to do. In fact, studies have shown, more than one study, show that every person that has ever lived has had at least one suicidal thought. Every person. See, when I grew up in church, and yes, that's even born-again Christians, followers of Jesus. Because when I grew up in church, you did not dare talk about it. You did not dare talk about depression. You did not dare talk about being overwhelmed. You definitely never talked about suicide or having feelings of it. Because if you did mention it when I was growing up, you were made to feel like you weren't even a Christian. Or things would be said like, oh, what you need to do is pray more. What you need to do is read the Bible more. Or how about this one, if anybody's ever, snap out of it, bro. It's your choice, just snap out of it. Oh, how I wish it was that easy. And so the church has done a very disservice by not addressing the issue and talking about it. And when I look at the heroes of her faith, it's one of the reasons I love the Bible. Is because the Bible doesn't pull no punches about who God uses. The Bible doesn't put up a bunch of perfect people and say, this is, this is a standard, live like this. I mean, you look at our heroes of the Bible, Elijah, one minute he's challenging an entire nation, the next minute he's praying and hoping to die. You look at David, you read throughout the Psalms, you see moments in his life of depression, of anxiety, of despair. Job, Job wouldn't dare kill himself, but he was praying that God would do it for him. There are people all around you that you, you look at them, you see smiles, you see them going through the motion, you see them cracking jokes, and it would shock you to find out that they deal with this junk. Comedian, actor Robin Williams said this in an interview. No, I'm not always fun to be around. There's this thing where the world sees one thing and then what I'm like, really like at home, it's different because I can't always be on. The world sees one thing. I portray to them what they want to see. Then I go home. August 11, 2014, after a long battle with depression, took his own life. One of my favorite voices in, in rock and roll, Chris Cornell. Uh, Cornell said his drug addiction began at the age of 12. Both of his parents were alcoholics. In 1996, this is what he said in an interview. Mild depression? I don't know if there's such a thing. Some people, you talk to them, and one minute it seems mild. And the next minute, they're in a hotel room with a rope around their neck. May 18th, 2017, at 52 years of age, Chris Cornell, after performing with his band Soundgarden, went back to his hotel room, calls his wife. His wife senses something is wrong, and she calls his bodyguard and said, get to Chris's room now. Something's not right. His bodyguard goes to the room, begins knocking on the door, can't get in, calls down to the front desk. Front desk will not let him in because it's not his room. He calls, the bodyguard calls Chris's wife back, says, They're not, I can't get in the room. She says, whatever you do, if you have to knock the door down, do it. Something's wrong. By the time he got into the room, 
Chris Cornell had lived a self-fulfilling prophecy. One minute they're fine, on stage performing. The next minute they're in a hotel room with a rope around their neck. He said those words in 1996. In 2017, he was in a hotel room with a rope around his neck. I think of Pastor Darren Patrick, Pastor Jared Wilson. Think of Robin Williams. I think of Chris Cornell. All these guys were successful. They were successful. They had incredibly talented people. They had everything you could ever want. Their fans adored them. Their family adored them. Their parishioners adored them. Everything. They were speaking. They were living what we would look the good life. And on the outside, it appeared things were great. But we know how the story ends. And there are those here right now, you know of someone that chose the same path. And there are some of you that have thought about choosing the same path. So, no, I'm not going to be silent on the subject. No, I'm not going to pretend that followers of Jesus don't suffer with mental illness. That you come come at me and tell me that, and I'll tell you you're stupid. Emphatically. And I'll say, give it some time. And when you find yourself curled up in a ball and feeling like there's no way out, then you come and tell me that it's not real. Makes me want to cuss. It's a good thing y'all can't read what's going on in my mind right now. I don't want to ignore it. What I want to do is start a conversation because we've been too quiet about it too long. I want to initiate a conversation. Hey, let's talk about it. No, it's nothing to be. You've had those. Don't don't be ashamed. Reach out. Reach out. Because that's been the problem with the church. Is we've talked about it and made people ashamed to reach out and actually talk about it. And I want to initiate a conversation. I, I, I think if we were to ask someone, hey, give me a definition of suicide. Here would the it's when someone takes their life, Kelly, that's suicide. Let me give you probably the best definition of suicide that I've come across. Suicide is a permanent and irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. You know, you know who said that? Robin Williams. Yeah. So today I want to teach and talk to you from my own brokenness. And as you know, I'm not just up here talking about something I know nothing about. I've been to the dark places. I've walked through the storm. My wife has has been there with me during those times. And I've learned this, though, that if you're here and if you're suffering with depression, if you're suffering having thoughts of suicide or having the past, you need to hear me. I know I know what it feels like. I know that depression, what, what it feels like when it's had its grips on you, it can seem overwhelming. It can be intense. It can make you feel hopeless. It, 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 it's like a dark cloud that's just hovering you and follows you. My wife will tell you in the past, that she could tell, she said, because she, she explained it like my wife does. She said, you know the Snoopy cartoon, the character that's got the little cloud of dust that follows him or of the germs? She said, I can tell when Kelly's getting ready because it's like something's following him. So I know, but I do want to tell you this also because I know this also. There is hope. There is hope. I'll say to you what Jared Wilson's wife said about him. 
at his funeral. She said, Jared, suicide doesn't get the last word. I won't allow it. You always said hope gets the last word. Jesus gets the last word. And that's what I say to every one of you today. Hope gets the last word. Jesus gets the last word. I, I felt God leading, leading me to uh, talk about this uh, for, for a few weeks, but mainly the past couple weeks I knew it was going to be. And I'll just tell you, the past two weeks have been hell. I've not been in a good place. In fact, a few nights ago, a couple nights ago, Denise and I were laying there in bed. She said, all right, Kelly, what's wrong? What's up? I said, I'm just tired. I know. I know you're tired. What's up? She said, you, you're not you. You're not hanging out with people. You're not going out there and being your usual self. What's up? And the sad thing is about a week before that, we're driving somewhere, and in my mind, I wanted to say it. I want to say, hey, babe, I need you to pray for me. I'm really struggling right now. But because I'm the man, because I'm Pastor Kelly, I dare not bring it up. Yesterday, I told my men's group, I said, guys, I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling. So knowing that God was leading me to this, uh, let, me, let me say this. Um, I am one that believes that the physical, the spiritual, the mental, emotional, they're all tied together. I, I, I do believe that. I know when, I, when I'm working out, when I'm eating right, it, 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 it has a effect on how I feel. If I'm not exercising, if I'm not eating right, it has a plan. So I believe that those, those three things go together. So it, it, it has been a struggle not to allow negative thoughts and dark thoughts to take over. And I've had to speak to myself. I've had to make myself go to the gym. I've had to make myself. And I know I'm the pastor, but it, can I be honest? I've had to make myself read the Bible over the past few days just because I know that's what I've got to do regardless of what's going on in here. I've got to get something inside of me. See, so listen, depression is very real. Mental illness is very real. But we also need to understand there is a very real enemy that wants nothing more than to kill and destroy you. And he uses whatever means necessary. I'll even go on to say this. I believe there's a spirit of death. Well, Kelly, can you prove that in the Bible? Do you remember the story where the man comes to Jesus about his son? And he said, hey, Jesus, I need you to do something. My son keeps, this spirit keeps throwing him into a fire, keeps trying to throw him off a cliff. What was the spirit doing to the boy? Trying to kill him and making the boy do it himself. So I believe that. Let me remind you of what Jesus said in John 10, 10. The thief, your enemy, comes for one purpose only, to steal to kill and to destroy. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus is trying to say, hey, guys, you need to know something. Your enemy's only intention is to steal your joy, steal your peace, steal your clarity, steal your sanity, steal your purpose, and then kill you. And if he can get you to do it yourself, he knows the destruction that it's going to leave in its wake. Look what Jesus says about our enemy. John 8. 844. 
Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I love the way the Passion paraphrases this. He says this, he has been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with truth, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. Get this, he is a master of deception and a father of the master of deception. I'm convinced what the enemy's goal is, is to get you, to get your focus off who God says you are in him, how he loves you, how he cares about you, and he wants to replace those truths with some lies and deceive you. So I want to give you three deceptions that the enemy uses. The first lie that he likes to tell us Things will never change. Come on now. He loves to whisper that in their ear. This is the way it's always been. Nothing's ever going to be different. Nothing's ever going to change. This is your life. You'll always struggle with addiction. You, you'll always struggle with hurt, with loneliness. You'll always be, be the outcast. Things aren't going to change. You'll never get your kids back. You'll never be accepted. I know for a fact that the enemy has whispered that in several people's ears this week, if not this morning. So I want to give you something to combat that and tell you what God says about you. And maybe you'll understand why the message titled today is All Things New. Look what God says to us in Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Forget about what's happened don't keep going over old history. Be alert and be present. You know what God's saying? Quit rehearsing your past. Quit going back and rehearsing what you used to be, what you did, because that's the enemy. What, what he wants to do is to remind you and you keep telling you that that's who you are. He said, quit rehearsing the past. Why? Because I'm about to do something brand new. Oh, that's good news, guys. He says, I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. What, what does that mean? That means the dry places in your life. Those places you feel dried up and nothing lives there. He's about to send rivers of rain through those refreshing. That means... Those areas where clouds hover over you, the wind of the Holy Spirit is about to blow those things away. I'm about to do something new. Check out 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart. Can anybody relate? On the outside, it looks like things are falling apart. But on the inside, where God is what? What? What's God doing on the inside? Making all things new. He's making new life. And not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. I love that. I love that. It looks like things are falling apart. It looks like this world is falling apart. It looks like my marriage is falling apart. It looks like this. But hey, the God in me is making me new. And his unfolding grace is going to make sure of that. Second lie the enemy loves to tell. 
Suicide will end the pain. If you'll just do it, it'll be over. The pain will be gone. Come on. That, he loves to tell that lie. But can I tell you, the pain doesn't end. It just gets transferred to somebody else. Ask a mom or dad has lost a child to suicide. Ask a friend. Ask a spouse. Ask them if the pain ended. And they'll tell you no. In fact, it's going to be one of those things that they struggle with for years, if not the rest of their lives. So no, the pain didn't end. It just got transferred to somebody else. And I'm telling you this, it'll do more damage and cause more pain in the ones that love you and care about you and the ones that you love and care about that you could even begin to imagine. The third lie the enemy wants to deceive you with. Nobody cares. Can it feel that way at times? Nobody cares. Why does it matter? Nobody cares. I mean, if they cared, they'd be here right now. If they cared, they'd call me on the phone. They care. They'd be doing this. No, nobody cares. PK, you, you, you don't know. I'm telling you, PK, nobody cares about me. Listen to me close. I care. That's why I'm talking about a subject that I really didn't want to talk about. Because I care. I care. And here's the truth. I'm not going to say or imply that people, when they know you're walking, that they say the right things all the time. Because let's be honest, people can say some stupid stuff when you're walking through junk like this. Come on, let's be honest. But why don't you think about it this way? If they cared, if they didn't care, they never would have said anything. But they at least cared enough, even if it wasn't helpful, to try to reach out. People care. People care more than you know. I care more than you know. And I know the enemy wants you to think that you're all alone, that nobody would even notice if you were gone tomorrow, or nobody would even care if you took your life. But that's a lie. But not only do I care, but God cares. God cares. You want, you want to know how much God cares for you? Look at Romans 5.8. Christ proved God's passionate love for us, for you. By dying in your place while you were still lost and ungodly. Died in your place. Look at the way the message says it. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. What does that mean? Long before you ever said yes to him, he said yes to you. You didn't have to clean yourself up. You didn't have to make things right. You didn't have to live the perfect life. He was already saying yes to you. See, we confuse God's love with what we know here on earth. The love we know here on earth, everything is, if they do this, if you do this, then you love me. If you buy me this, if you do this. But God says, no, no, no. Long before you ever even thought about me, I loved you. I loved you. God loves you. What, what about John three sixteen? Come on. This is how much God loved the world. 
He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. But by leaving in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. That's what God wants for every one of you. A whole and lasting life. God cares. Those are three main lies the enemy tells you. I want to give you a truth, one truth. And I kind of addressed it at the first of this, but it's this. Depression and mental illness does not have to have the final word in your life. It doesn't. It doesn't have to have the final word. You remember in John 10 where Jesus said, hey, hey, let me tell you what the enemy wants to do to you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, he, he, he continues. He says, that's what the enemy wants for you. Let me show you what I want for you. Here's the rest of that verse. But me, but Jesus, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's what Jesus wants. I mean, Jesus has already defeated death, hell, and the grave, right? Right? Well, can I tell you this? Along with death, hell, and the grave, he also defeated everything in their lineage. That means he defeated depression. He defeated anxiety. He defeated postpartum depression. He defeated overwhelmness. Come on. He defeated suicide. He defeated bipolar. He defeated it. He defeated it. You name it. Kelly, you didn't name mine. Then you name it because he defeated it. You know where the enemy wants to live? Right here. In your head. One of my favorite things, I, I, when I, I'm not very good at playing basketball, but I love to talk trash like I am really good. Um, they call me the Dennis Rodman of Christian basketball. Because if, if I can't stop you, I'll foul you. I'm just being honest with you. And I'll probably foul you hard. That's probably why Trevor Kent's not here today, because I fouled him too hard the other day. But I love, I'll say, oh, oh. PK's in your head, ain't he? I, I'm all in your head right now. You can, what does that mean? That means they can't think about anything else other than me and what I might do and them trying to beat me. That's where the enemy wants. To where you can't think about anything else. You can't think about God's promises for you. You can't think about his purposes for you. All you can think about is what he wants you to think about. And that's where the enemy wants to live is in your head. And he'll get there and he'll tell you those lies. Things will never change. Suicide will end the pain. Nobody cares. There's no hope for you. You're alone. If people knew this about you and what you thought, what you're battling, they wouldn't want you in their life. Your family would be better off without you. And I tell you, if that's where your head is today, if that describes any of your thoughts today over the past year, I want to show you a promise from a God that loves you more than life itself. It's found in Revelation 21, 3 through 5. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. 
making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone for good. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things gone. And the enthroned continue. Look, I am making everything new. I'm making, I'm, I'm taking the anxiety. I'm taking the worry. I'm taking the depression. And I'm making something new. He says, write it down. Count on it. I've asked Sheridan to sing a song. And yeah, this is the altar call portion. Here's what I'm convinced of. There are people here that have had these thoughts, have wrestled with depression, have wrestled with anxiety, have wrestled with thoughts that things will never change. It's just the way it is. It's always going to be this way. Wrestle with thoughts of suicidal in the pain. Wrestle with thoughts that nobody cares. I know you're here. I know God didn't have me change things up two days before a message just to have me stand up here and preach an uncomfortable message. I I would rather be the funny guy, not the vulnerable guy. So as they sing this song, I'm going to have our prayer taken up here. If at any time you say, I need that, I need God to do something in my mind, in my spirit, I don't want to leave here today just going to encourage you. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy telling you to stay back. No, no, no. Run up here and you will find a father that loves you more than life itself. He's not waiting for you to clean things up. He's not waiting for you to adjust your life. He's saying, come just like you.